episode 192 of Wheel Bearings brings an updated lineup as Roberto Baldwin joins Nicole Wakelin and I in place of Dan Roth, who just started his new job. We talk about the rip-snorting Dodge Durango Hellcat that just left Nicole's driveway. Robbie takes a ride in the new Lucid Air Grand Touring and contemplates moving his house with the GMC Sierra Denali HD diesel, while I ponder how the Chevy Volt might have evolved into the Toyota RAV4 Prime. In the news, Toyota launches Beyond Zero, Cadillac prices its first EV, and Stellantis kills the too expensive Giorgio platform. Did you know you can support wheel bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. Welcome to episode 192 of Wheel Bearings. Uh, changing it up again this week. I am Sam Abu Al Samad from Guidehouse Insights. And I am Nicole Wakelin from Let's Go Boston Globe this week. All right. Boston yeah. Globe. And uh, who's that other guy? Hi, I'm uh, I'm Roberto Baldwin and I'm from um, the Internet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I write for a couple different places and. It's yeah, I, I'm newly freelance. So I just it's 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 anarchy over here right now. Then you have that's, to pick one. Should be. Oh, the I have rule to pick is one. If you're, yeah, you're freelance, that, you just rotate a different one every week, like pick one uh, you want to talk about. So this week you work for Engadget. OK, oh, tech, right. Tech blog extraordinaire Engadget, Ooh. which. Uh, yeah, Robbie, you are uh, joining us as our full time replacement for Dan Roth, who has gone on to the. I'll say the gray side because he's not he's not really in PR, so he's not on the dark side. He's on the he's on the gray side doing internal comms, employee communications at Ford. Uh, but he'll he'll be Dan will be joining us from time to time for some special stories like the one like the interview he did with Peter Egan a few weeks back, and you know various other things that don't conflict with his job. But Robbie, tell us a little more more about yourself. What's your history? What do you, you know? What have you been doing? Oh dear. Um, so I am a uh, I'm automotive journalist. I transferred from tech to automotive full time about five ish years ago. Um, it's funny because I was a car nerd far lo- far longer than you know way before I was a, a tech nerd. I had you know I was working on cars before I, I didn't have a computer till I was twenty one. But as a small child, uh, my parents had me working on cars with them. Uh, my parents had Challengers and Javelins and and whatnot. So I, uh, they, they, my mom is more of a car nerd than my dad. My dad is a, an airplane mechanic. Um, but you know, we, we learned how to work on cars. I learned how to work on vehicles from my dad and I learned how to drive from my mom because my dad drives, um, very slow and sometimes in the <laughs> left lane, which is just, it's just, it, it's, 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 it's incredibly frustrating to be in the car with him. I hope he's not listening to this. <laughs> All right. Well, we we appreciate you agreeing to uh, to join Nicole and I, and uh, we're looking forward to this. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so why don't we dive right into the garage? Um, Nicole, um, you yeah. had something uh, kind of interesting this week. What, what were you driving? I know. And they literally just took it away. Like you hit record. You said ready to record. And I heard it start up in the driveway and disappear. I had um, the Dodge Durango Hellcat rawr, this whole week, which was i love it i love it can i just say that's my whole review i love well, tell, this tell us what did you really think of it 
I, yeah, right. Um, it, you know what it is? It's because there's this element. I feel like there's this element of crazy to kind of anything that Dodge does these days. Like, can we put a Hellcat in it? Sure. You know, it could be a tricycle to put a Dodge, you know, badge on the side of it and just stick a Hellcat engine in there. And it's brilliant. It makes no sense, but it's brilliant. Um, I, it was, what is this like 710 horsepower, 645 pound feet of torque. This thing moves and it sounds amazing. Like I said, I'm, I'm inside my house in the back of the house and they just came to pick it up and I could hear it start up in my driveway. Um, it sounds brilliant. It looks brilliant. It wakes up your neighbors, which is kind of fun. Um, I, I loved it. I loved it. I, I, if I had, you know, more than just my husband and I and my soon to go to college daughter, and I had any reason at all <laughs> to buy an SUV that large that I could come up with, it would be on my list. Cause it's just such a fun, redonkulous vehicle to drive. Robbie, have you, have you ever driven um, any of the, uh, the Hulk, like driven the, the uh, Grand Cherokee Trailhawk or, or the Durango Hellcat yet? I have not driven the, the the SUV variants of the Hellcats, and I feel like those, to me, those actually make a little bit more sense than the <laughs> than, than the sedan, the Charger, the Challenger, etc. Um, because those cars are they're, they're bricks. They're bricks that go really fast. But you, you you're kind of like, well, maybe it'll handle well. No, not really. But if <laughs> in an SUV, you know what you're getting when it comes to handling, um, and so you get this this raw power in an SUV. To, to go quickly for no reason other than to go quickly in a straight line. And you, 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 so, and you can throw your, your kids in the back and it, and it has all the utility of, of the SUV with the ridiculousness of the Hellcat. And, and, you know, certainly I, I can't argue with the, the whole premise that the Hellcat is absurd, you know, especially in, in the 2020s, uh, you know, as, and I think, Unfortunately, you know, as a, as an enthusiast, you know, I think its days are probably numbered. You know, I don't think. Don't you know, say that. Gonna... I'm not listening to you. La 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 la. <laughs> I'm not listening. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think the you know the the practical reality is you know we'll we'll probably have Hellcat vehicles from from Detroit for a few more years yet, but uh, you know I think that we're. Well, frankly, you know, Stellantis is running out of things to put the Hellcat in that they that they could reasonably put it in. You know, they've, they've you've got the Ram TRX now, which I'm getting one of those in, in a couple of weeks, and and then the the Durango. Uh, you know, and I've I've been fortunate enough to drive a few of these Hellcats. You know, I drove the uh, the the Trackhawk a couple of years ago and had it in early February. And, you know, one of the things that they, you know, that the SUVs have that they, uh, the, the cars don't have is all wheel drive with the, uh, with the Hellcat engine, which means you can actually put that power down to the road. I, I, I did zero to 60 runs on cold, wet pavement in a early February morning with the Trackhawk, you know, like three and a half seconds, you know, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. That's kind of the brilliant thing about it. I mean, like you said, the, the, Sedans are just these bricks that you want to handle better than they do, but they're really straight line drivers, but you're not expecting to take your Durango or your Trackhawk over to a track. I mean, you'd like to, but the reality is most people won't, but it's, it has all the fun and that sort of visceral feeling of power and the sound of it. And that just excitement of, if you know, you mash the gas getting on the highway, you you're getting pressed back in your seat. And so are your kids and they're giggling about it. You know, you get all that, but then when it snows, you're good to go. It's not suddenly like you have to say, okay, this sits in the garage because there's no way I'm taking this out on the snow. I'm not going to, you know, wrap myself around a tree. You know, this is perfectly fine in the snow. In fact, we had 
because, you know, New Hampshire, we had three inches of snow last week and the roads were a mess. No one really expected it. It was one of those like, oh, we're going to get a dusting. And suddenly we didn't get a dusting. I was out and I'm like, I'm in a 700 plus horsepower SUV that could like, you know, race down the highway if I was so inclined. And yet I am just driving along, handling the snow, no problem. And you, you can't do that in very many vehicles. Does it still have winter tires on it? Uh, no, it did not have winter tires. Even it was just, I think it's just all seasons, but they were not winters. We don't, it's weird. We get a mix of vehicles with and without uh, winters up here. A lot of our stuff just comes up with all seasons. So as just as a general SUV, setting aside the powertrain for the moment, what do you think of the Durango? How does it compare against, you know, other largish three row utilities? Yeah, I think, you know what? I think it's good. It's one of those, it has a very just sort of distinct character. It has a very Dodge character. Nothing is um, delicate or refined or pretty. It's all very sort of bold and in your face in terms of the styling inside. And it's even that with just the look of it and the comfort of it. It's big and comfy and cushy. There's nothing like, don't expect little sports seats to hold you in. Don't expect it to look all elegant. It's this sort of beefy, comfortable interior. I like the idea of having this if you have kids because it feels like it would withstand what kids do to a car. Like I don't, I, I don't want a luxury three row SUV that I'm going to worry about my family getting into with their winter boots and their cup of milk that they spill and the Mandarin oranges they spill everywhere. When we go through the drive-thru at McDonald's, um, I want a car that I feel like is going to survive that and be like, okay, well, I got to clean this up but it's going to be okay. It's very, it has the sense of being sturdy enough and comfortable enough and sort of like an upscale feel without being delicate. It's not a delicate car. It is a big beefy vehicle in every way, but it has all the stuff. Like you got a million cup holders, you got rear seat or infotainment, you know, it has the stuff you need to work as an SUV. So I, I'm, I'm a fan of the Durango, even the not Hellcat version. So, so you make your kids eat their fruit before they get their fries. Uh, they don't get well now that now they can get whatever they want because their teenagers are like, I'm getting the fries. When they were little, they would not get the fruit, the fries. It was just the fruit. I was that mom. But I mean, really, seriously, it's mandarin oranges and sugar syrup. I was doing the best I could, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So last week you had the Highlander. This yes. week, Durango. Which one? Highlander or Durango? Uh, I like the Durango because I like the big bold, large, in-your-face feel of the Durango. If you want something more refined, the Highlander is a great choice. It's not like one is bad and one is good. Me personally, I just like that big, bold feel of the Durango. I like the look of it on the outside. I like the feel of it on the inside. It feels tough. It feels like it can stand up to stuff. So Durango. Does the uh, Durango, does the, the, the new Durango, the twenty? It's a 2021 now, I guess. Does the yeah. 21 Durango have the new Uconnect 5 system in it, or is it still uh, the older system? I can't remember if God, now I'm drawing that. a blank because I was Cause just they, in. Because they updated the interior on the Durango this year. Yes, it does have Uconnect 5. Sorry, I've been in a bunch of FCA vehicles late, or Stellantis vehicles. I'm like, wait, what did this one have? Um, yeah, it does have the Uconnect 5, which if you haven't, have you had Uconnect 5 vehicles I, yet? I, I've had it in the Pacifica, yeah. I like Uconnect 5. I think it was a nice upgrade, but I was, I've always been a Uconnect fan. I think it's more like one of the more intuitive, easy to use systems. Like if, if you're the passenger and suddenly your driver says, can you do this? You can do it without wanting to take a sledgehammer to the screen after two seconds. You can find exactly what you want. So I like Uconnect. And this one's just faster and a little bit more slick. So they did a nice little upgrade. Uconnect's like the, like the Hyundai's 
experience. You just, you get in like, oh, this is a, essentially like a tablet. I know how this works because I've been using a phone or a tablet for the past 10 years. They don't try to like gussy it up with, you know, some sort of insane UI system. They're like, this is what you're used to. Enjoy. Yes. And I think that's how it should be. I mean, we all plug in our phones to, you know, have Apple CarPlay and Android Auto because we like what we know. Just let us kind of sort of have what we know. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Give us a nice, easy tablet-like system. Everyone will be happy. <laughs> so, uh, Robbie, have you tried the, the new Uconnect, the Uconnect 5, which is based on Android Automotive? Have you tried that one yet? I Let me think. Uh, when's the last? No, I haven't. I haven't tried Uconnect 5 yet. Okay. Um, I, yeah, but I, I mean, you know, Uconnect 4, I was like, well, this is fine. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, 5, the interface for 5 isn't dramatically different. Um, you know, the big thing is instead of being built on QNX, um, like the previous versions were, it's, it's on Android Automotive. But F FCA, Stellantis took a, a, different, a little bit different path from most of the other automakers that are doing it because they didn't – they opted not to include the Google automotive services. So you don't get Google assistant, Google maps, uh, the play store they're using Alexa, um, and, uh, Tom, 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 Tom maps. And, uh, I forget, um, and they've got their own little, uh, marketplace that you can download apps on. So it's still, it's running Android underneath. It just, it doesn't look like it. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, other automakers are using the, the Google automotive services part of it. So, um, any, uh, how, oh, how much was the Durango Hellcat? The Hellcat, the base price on this is, are you ready? 80,995. <laughs> Mine has Just some, your average family. Ham, right, family your average holler. family sitting and totally in budget. Mine had some extra little bells and whistles. So mine came out at $92,360. <sighs> it's a lot. That's, that's, that's a lot of it's, dodge. You know, but it's like, it's luxury. <laughs> it's, it's luxury car territory for the person whose goal for luxury isn't, I want the fanciest leather and open poor wood and carbon fiber and genuine chrome for the person whose luxury experiences. I want that fast, power. I want that doing. engine. That's, that's what you're sort of paying for with that. Yes. Trading fancy for fast. If you want fast, go with the Durango. If you want fancy, go with an Escalade. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, there are other fast SUVs out there. You know, you get the BMW X5M and X6M, and the AMG, uh, Mercedes AMG utilities. Uh, I assume you've driven driven most of those. Yeah. You know, how and, you know, they're they're a similar price point in that, you know, 90, 80, 90 to close to 100 grand price point. Would you if you're spending that kind of money, would you take the Durango over that over one of those other options? You know, me personally, I, I might, I mean, I, I like the Durango. I like, it's not about whether one of these is really better or worse than the other. They all do the same thing. They all give you powerful stuff, but there's something very uh, like out of control, aggressive in a good way <laughs> about the Durango. It's just like, rah, it's like in your face and you don't get that. The other, you know, other vehicles you mentioned, they have power, they will move, they've got it, but they, they're nice about it. They're like polite about it. And they have a different interior vibe, especially Mercedes. That is like a refined, beautiful, luxurious interior, but it also feels really delicate. Again, my kids with the mandarin oranges, I wouldn't want to pick kids in there, you know? Um, so I think it's a little bit, it, it's a little bit how you're going to live. Like, not just, do you want a luxury vehicle? What kind of luxury do you want? Do you want a refined luxury? Do you want a bold in your face luxury? Do you want something that's just, you know, you got older kids, you're not worried about the interior or, 
you know, you are worried about the interior. So it's not, I think they're very different. I know they're, they compete, but they're very different. All right. Robbie, what did you drive? So I, well, I drove one car, but I sat in another. And I think sitting in the other um, <laughs> is probably uh, more exciting than, than the vehicle I actually drove. And so I sat in the Lucid Air uh, Grand Touring Edition this week, this past, past week. Um, it is the, the version of the vehicle that is targeting 517 miles of range, which when people think about electric cars, for better or worse, they're still concerned about range. Lucid uh, is essentially just populated with former uh, Tesla engineers. Uh, Peter, um, the, the CEO, Rawlinson. Peter Rawlinson, the CEO, is uh, sort of the head, engine, the, head, the head designer of the Model S. So, you know, you have this, this entire uh, EV legacy that's starting this new company. And it's it's a very nice car. It was a release candidate, so you know there were panel gaps. Um, you know they're very upfront with me. They're like, well, it's it's an early release candidate, but we wanted to get you inside. Uh, the the chassis, the suspension, everything's about eighty five percent done right now. So, you know they're they're still working on on how it rides. Uh, but for the most part, you can yeah, I think the what they're what they wanted me to see was the evolution of what they've done. I've, I've ridden in the betas, I've ridden in, in mules. Um, so they want, okay, this is what we're doing. This is where we're at. And, you know, it was built at their facility in Arizona. So they're building a factory in Arizona. They're already building uh, release candidates. They're going to be building production vehicles soon. So it was, you know, it's, it's, it's lucid is one of those EV companies that I think has a very good chance of actually making it. Um, there, there, there are a lot of EV automaker startups out there who you sort of look at what they're doing and, you know, how much money they have and how much money they, they hope to get. And, you know, the, 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 the road to the EV is, is just strewn with the carcasses of EV startups. And, uh, <laughs> I think Rivian has a better chance just because of their, you know, their, their deal with Amazon. But I think Lucid is one of those companies that's 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 going to make it, and you know they're targeting German German um, luxury vehicles. That that you know that's that's been the target all along. Well, not all along, but within the last few years, as they're they're building out these vehicles, and you know they're trying to to hit above what you can get inside of a Model S. And you know sitting in it, it does feel nicer than a Model S. Model S is nice. It's fast. It's, it's everything we know about the Model S, but. The interior is definitely not up to par with BMW or Mercedes. Lucid is trying to to be the EV company that's on par with them. Yeah, that's I mean, that's always been one of the knocks on on Tesla, uh, especially the S and the X. You know, they were priced like Mercedes and Audis and BMWs, but, you know, they didn't feel like luxury cars. And of course, you know, you were paying the premium for that electric powertrain. But, you know, for with Lucid, you know, um, Peter and and Derek Jenkins, the chief designer, uh, you know, they they really were targeting those premium brands and wanted to get that whole premium experience. And I remember the first time um, I got I met them and got briefed by them at the LA Auto Show, I guess, about four years ago um, before they they publicly showed the car. You know, they walked through and described, you know, the idea of having a car that's got the exterior size of a Mercedes E-Class, but the interior volume of an S-Class. And I know you're, you're pretty tall. You're, you're several inches taller than I am. And I saw you sitting in the, in the back seat. What would you think of the, the back seat roominess of, or, or the front seat for that matter? Um, you know, they're both, you know, I'm six foot, I'm six foot three. 
So sitting in the front, sitting in the back, I was, I was comfortable in both. Um, you know, that, that EV platform, you know, a lot of automakers are able to show you like, hey, look, you know, we can push the wheels out. We can, you know, we expand the wheelbase. We give you more room inside the, the cab. And I was comfortable in, in, in both areas. Um, you know, the front seat was comfortable. The back seat was comfortable. comfortable. Um, you know, and that's, that's really the, the luxury what people are looking for when they're looking at an S class is they want to be comfortable in the front seat, but they also want to be comfortable in the back seat. You can't sort of, it's not a trade-off when you, when it comes to a luxury sedan, you can't say, well, the front seats are great, but the back seats are really tight. That's that, you know, that's a coupe. That's a, that's, you know, that's, that's a, a car that's, that's much cheaper. When you're, when you're talking about luxury sedans, you, you need the person in the back seat to feel just as comfortable, even more comfortable in, in a lot of instances than the person who's driving. And, you know, it was, it was a comfortable experience for the most part. It, you know, they, you can still feel, you know, they're still working on the dampeners. Um, they're still working on a lot of the, the, the chassis. Um, but the seats were, it, it, it was much nicer than when I did the uh, mileage run with them where they just had a, like, a, essentially just like a bench back there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, in both instances, you know, I had leg room, I had headroom. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't uncomfortable at any point. I didn't feel like I was being squished. It was definitely not the economy class of uh, of flying. One of the uh, the interesting design details in the the front seat is the uh, the, the touchscreen for the climate controls and, and some of the other controls. Uh, talk talk about that a little more. You know, how that how do you think that's going to work out? So they have, you know, they have the traditional, they have the dash cluster, they have the infotainment screen, and then they have a screen, uh, you know, a third screen to the left for additional auxiliary functions. But then they have this fourth screen in that that retracts from the dash into the, the, the center console. So it comes down and that's where you control your your infotainment system and you can, you know, you, you can get you get access to uh, controls for the vehicle settings, sport mode, comfort mode, et cetera. And you tap on it and it'll it'll retract and you can put things underneath, you know, there's a little storage area under there and then you tap on it again, it comes back out. I feel like that's going to be uh, a fun gimmick initially for people. We're like, hey, look at this, it retracts. And then I can put <laughs> things in here and then I open. Uh, but I think in the long run, um, people might put things in there, but for the most part, they're they're going to have it extend out and then retract it maybe once a week to get, you know, maybe their, their fast pass or, you know, something that they need to keep in their car, but they don't need access to at all times. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fun little thing. It's, it's, it's a bit like, you know, the, you know, the Corvette where it had the secret, like little, you know, you push the button and then the infotainment disappears and you can put things in that little cubby hole yeah. that nobody knows about. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit like that. That's all like, Oh my God, this is fun. It's great. You can put things in here, but then you realize as time goes on, you're, you're going to put something in there and you're going to forget about it and you're going to open it up, you know, six, six months, months later, later and it's all <laughs> melted. You know, maybe you stuck some, some, some lip balm, some chapstick in there. And now it's all, ugh. it's now just a mess. <laughs> yeah, it's just a- I, feel like it, I feel like that is one of those things that you think it's going to be really cool. You see it you're like, that is the neatest thing. I'm going to use that all the time. And then you completely forget about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People are going to shove things down there that they need every once in a while. And then they're going to, and then of course, you know, Two weeks in, they're like, "What did I do with that? What did I do mm-hmm. with my What did I do with my my, my fast track so I could get over the bridge? <laughs> you know, I need to pay my tolls. What did I do with that thing? What do you think of the uh, the design, the exterior design of the car? I actually quite like it. It's 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 a it, you know you still get that sort of futurism that comes with the EVs that uh, I think more automakers are sort of 
kind of pulling back from um, recently because you know they want to sell more EVs to more people. Um, you know, you can't sell an i3 to to more than a couple thousand people. Um, but I, you know, I think it's it, it and you know, it's always funny when I'm in a car and I'm being driven by somebody. Or, you know, it's, it's, and someone pulls up and is like, oh my God, and they're looking at it and they're taking pictures or whatever, or they're like making you roll down the window. Um, if it's just me driving out in the real world, like with the Mach-E and people were following me and taking video and taking pictures and pulling over and talking to me while I was t- trying to take photos of the car, that feels organic. Whenever I'm with someone, for some reason in my paranoid uh, brain, I'm like, I wonder if this guy's a plant. <laughs> <laughs> is this person like is this, is this is this like one of the engineers at at, at lucid is pulling up next to us and be like hey that car is no, awesome you know automotive pr people would never do anything no. like that would they <laughs> <laughs> i've never heard of such a thing <laughs> but you know there there you know there 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 did see some genuine enthusiasm from either a, a regular human or a plant uh for the vehicle i you know i i, I do like the design um i think it's it, it you know, they, they, it's one of the, the first um, production vehicles that have LiDAR on it. And I think they've integrated that in there really well without it, you know, the cup on, you know, the puck on top. And so it's, you know, I, I think it has its fans, um, like the Model S has its fans when it comes to design. Um, and we'll see. I mean, it really comes down, you know, you can make the, the most beautiful car in the world to automotive journalists, but that doesn't mean the public wants it. And so we'll, we'll, right. we'll see how that, how that pans out for them. Hey, Nicole, have you had a chance to check out the uh, the air, you know, when it's made appearances at auto shows in the past? I haven't. I really haven't gotten a good look at it. So I'm listening to all this with great curiosity. My, my thing always with some of the EVs that they do, it's they and I really have to have to see it to see if this upholds that. But is the idea that they're so clean and EV ish inside that they come off kind of bland? Like I, I sort of want an EV to still look. I want it to still look like a car. I want it to still have the stuff that a regular car has, the kind of, I don't know, the pretty leather seats and the contrast stitching and the sort of personality. I don't want it to look like a console on the bridge of the enterprise. I don't want it to be like completely plain. I don't like it that plain. I like a little bit of stuff going on inside a car. And sometimes I feel like they're too plain. That sounds like a weird complaint, but no, no, I think, I think that's a a totally legitimate complaint, you know, and I, I know that, you know, when I first talked to uh, to Derek Jenkins about it, that was one of the things that he highlighted was, you know, that they wanted to make this really feel like a luxury car, you know, to to ha- have it feel the, you know, like it belongs at that price point. And I, I think that, you know, they've, they've su- largely succeeded at that, um, you know, and, and, you know, not having that stark minimalist kind of interior uh, that you find typically on a Tesla. Yeah. Like everyone says, the te- like my, my husband loves Teslas and he, and there's, but I get inside and we I feel like that against them. I know. Right. <laughs> but they feel like they always feel to me like they forgot something like, Oh, we should have done another level of stuff here. We forgot this extra trim. And it's like, no, that's this is how it's supposed to look. And I guess from your clean, you know, living in the future kind of thing, it works, <laughs> but I, I still want my car to feel like a car with all the little bits and pieces that make it pretty and feel like it has personality. And I don't, I don't like them. Blech. I want to be able to so reach out. All and, the Tesla people are going to kill me, but whatever. Oh, you, you! I want to be able to reach out and touch a something tangible. Like it has tangible buttons. You know these rollers, which are really yeah. nice for for volume controls and for for climate control. I want to be able to do that without having to like turn my head, push a couple buttons, push a thing, and I'm like, okay, now I turn the volume up, and I haven't been paying right. attention because everything's on an iPad now. 
Um, yes. I think there's there has to be like the the tangible. I want something I can I can hold and my muscle memory knows this is there. I can do it without you know taking my my eyes off the road, and it gives me something that my body feels like I'm still part of an organic universe. Yes, I agree. Cool. All right. Uh, you want to share some thoughts on the Sierra? It is huge. I got the. <laughs> it is. You had, I, you had the HD, right? I did. I had the, I had the twenty five hundred HD with the with the the huge uh, diesel engine. The uh, I think it's the six point six liter. Yeah. yeah, six point six liter V eight Duramax diesel engine. It is. Um, I, I'll, I'll say again. I'm six three. I stood in front of it. And it came up to my um, uh, my what, what, like your armpit area, my nipples. I don't. <laughs> what's an appropriate like? What, what that's a weird area to just describe below your shoulders. Without sounding, yeah, just below my shoulders. How's that? It's a weird area yeah. to describe without sounding weird. <laughs> it's an odd. Um, and you know, you as as you know, and I'm and, and as a tall person, you know, I'm going to have a bit more visibility than someone who is, you know five foot 11, five foot six. So they have less visibility as they're driving this gigantic machine. Um, you know, it, it, one of the first vehicles I ever drove was a tractor. So I've al I always have a little soft spot, soft spot in my heart for, for diesel engines, just because it reminds me of working on a farm. Uh, but it is, it is, oh, I, I, it's insanely huge. It's just so tall. <laughs> <laughs> you know the inside is 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 typical truck you know it's it's I, I don't think an american truck has been built that i feel comfortable behind the wheel um you know even before we had extra cabs and extended cabs i always felt like the truck the cab was wasn't built for a tall person and even as we have you know essentially inside of the vehicles are, are sedans now um even then it doesn't feel comfortable I've, I've never felt comfortable in an american truck in a way that I, I would in a vehicle just because of the dimensions, who they're building this vehicle for. I don't know if they're not building them for tall people. They've always said, you know what? No one over six wants ever gonna buy this thing. Everyone else is gonna buy it. Um, or if they're over, they don't care because they have, well, how much torque this thing have? 910. <laughs> Yeah, if you ever need to move, you know, you just hook a toe strap to your house and just, you know, just, just take, yank it. it along. That's what I always say. Yeah. These are just like take your house right off the foundation. If that's something you need to do, that's the vehicle you need. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I was I was disappointed. I didn't I was supposed to use it to tow something and that sort of fell through. Um, that's why I had the, the I had it. Um, and so I didn't have anything to tow. I didn't have any uh, tree trunks to rip out of the ground. Uh, they weren't going to let me in the redwood forest at any point with this thing with the chain. Um, so it was, it was, it, you know, it's, 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 it's large. It's comfortable for, you know, a truck. It has a million cubby holes. There's a, there, it's just cavernous on the inside. Like most um, modern uh, trucks, it is, you know, you could put anything you want in the back and not worry about, you know, bogging it down. You could, I, again, we I could have dragged my house off his foundation and down the street and it would have been fine. It would. Have yeah. It wouldn't have had to strain. There wouldn't have been that like few seconds of the truck. Like, no, it was just your house would have been a shambles, but the truck would have been totally fine. It would have been totally <laughs> fine. Um, you know, it, it and it, I, 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 this these vehicles they have. You know, they have all these this tech, which I wasn't you know able to use. The I was very excited about the idea of using the the trailer, the trailering system that allows you to see through the trailer. Which is oh, yeah, so you put, cool. You put Did a you, camera on the back of the trailer yeah, so it, you can see what's and behind it, you. And it's it, really 
really cool. And it's it like, disappears yeah. like 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 it's the uh, the predator or um, like yeah. predator. Yeah, they need like, to somehow work that into the name. They need to change whatever it's called it's, and it's, call it the predator trailer yeah. system. It's, yeah. it's it's a cloaking device for your trailer. <laughs> it's a it's a was it a, a Klingon uh what is it war bird, bird of war prey. bird of prey yeah, yeah. Bird, bird, bird of prey yeah the Klingon bird of prey system. Um, it has the the. The fact that the the uh, it has that tailgate with the step is great because it's so damn tall. You know, yeah. that was helpful. We went to we ended up going to Home Depot and buying mulch, which is. Do like you the like the fancy schmancy the whole eighty five function tailgate thing on the Sierra? Do you like it? I I, I kind of like it. It's just, I kept pushing the wrong button. So there's two <laughs> there's two buttons on the uh, on the tailgate, and one of them unlatches the 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 ascent the step and the second one opens the tailgate and what would happen was i would try to close the, i would try to open the tailgate and instead i would open that i, I would open the step and i was like oh, and i push the step close and then or i'd be trying to close the tailgate and i accidentally hit the button for the step and then it would open and i was just like Geez. and i i okay, know well, after don't feel that i remember doing the same thing like someone would want to see it like you, know, you talk about people who want to say i'm like oh yeah and so the tailgate oh no wait that's not what i want to show you you do this and then you do that and then it opens yeah i kept doing it backwards but i i figured if i had it in my own hands for more than a week i would begin to remember how the tailgate worked <laughs> yeah it, it's definitely like that week of learning and then once you have it for a week you're like look at this i can just walk up to you're it like it's i'm super cool i can open this tailgate 20 different ways you want to you want to see me tap dance down the back of my truck <laughs> Ooh. uh so you know it's it, you know the hitch guidance I, I i pride myself as someone who's really good at backing trucks up to uh, trailers um but i would love to have tried that the hitch guidance system um but overall i mean if you need something that's going to haul a planet uh maybe a moon maybe not a planet but you know it's it's there. I, I still have a, something a, like Pluto size. Yeah, like a Pluto, like a Pluto yeah. or one not of quite our, a planet, but close. Yeah, not quite, you know, not quite Mercury, something a little so bit like smaller. A, so like a Death Star, you could have like a yeah, Death you could Star totally, size. They could have, instead of trying to blow it up, they could have just thrown some totally chains around it and then just towed yeah. it off. <laughs> and they're like, oh, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it is a, it, it, for the person who needs to haul or tow anything essentially without needing to without needing a, a a truck driver license you could you could probably get this um it uh, but other than that it's 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 slightly ridiculous and what was the the, the price for it you know it's it's nearly eighty thousand dollars for this wow yeah, uh, yeah well, seventy eight thousand for the one i too. got yeah, it's, yeah it was the nolly i had the whole i had the whole you know four-wheel drive crew cab i could bring a whole crew with me if I was allowed to do that, yeah. um, maybe in a few months, I'll, I'll get my crew together. My, I don't know, dance crew or get work one, crew. Get one of the bands, you know. Yeah, I'll throw one. It would be a great band. It would yeah, actually it would be overkill because I don't have. It's all. It it is definitely overkill for I, I would think ninety percent of the people who are probably going to buy it. Yes, yeah. and that's, well, for for what it's worth, most of the HD trucks, you know, the twenty five hundred, thirty five hundred series trucks are the majority of them are sold to commercial customers they're not sold to individuals and usually you know it'll be like the owner of the construction company or the plumbing company or the you know the the owner of the ranch will buy you know by themselves a denali you know and buy the the base level work truck versions of those hds for all their employees you know to to use and then you know they'll buy themselves a nice luxury denali or 
you know, a, an F three fifty limited or platinum, something like that, yeah. or King Ridge, you know, and drive around in those. Everyone else gets the base one fifty F one fifty, and they show up. Um, it, it's completely immaculate. It's completely clean. <laughs> they yes. jump, they jump out, and they're like, "Hey, you're not supposed to be doing that." And they jump back in their truck and exactly. All right. So I had um, the Toyota RAV4 Prime XSE. And as I was driving this, I was, you know, I was thinking about it. And, you know, back in 2010, um, I was actually working at GM in, in communications at the time for, for a short period. Uh, this was around the time that they were launching the original first generation Chevy Bolt. Uh, sorry, Volt, the V with a Victor, the Volt, uh, not the Bolt. Um, still pissed about the ridiculous naming anyway you have to call it the bolt ev and the yeah, volt yeah, so you, you don't get confused so you can hear the difference. The, when they were launching the volt yeah you know, and the way it work typically works in the auto industry is that uh you know you have the the product development team you know they'll be working on the the vehicle for you know two three four years and then about nine months or so before job one they kind of hand off most of the responsibility to the launch team you know, that's working with the assembly plant that's, that's going to be building this thing. And so at the time I was there, you know, the Volt team had already handed off production uh, responsibility for the, the Gen 1 Volt to the launch team. They were working on getting them built. And the, the team, the development team, had already moved on to the next project, which was going to be something called the Cross Volt. They showed a concept of this in early 2010. It was basically a, a crossover, a compact crossover uh, that they showed uh, that is built on the Bolt platform using the same powertrain and everything. And they worked on that well into 2011. And then Dan Ackerson, who was then the CEO of, of GM, you know, after they went through their bankruptcy, <clears throat> decided to kill that program. And said, no, we're not going to build that because, you know, people might actually want to buy that. Instead, we need to build a Cadillac based on this on this platform and sell it at a price point where we can actually have a, a significant profit margin. And the result was the Cadillac ELR, which was that little kind of cool looking coupe, you know, that was the had the plug in hybrid powertrain from the Volt. But it was also like $77,000 and about three people bought them, I think. You know, I think I think over the course of three model years, they sold less than 2,000 of them wow. in total. That's uh, terrible. Yeah. And the Crossvolt died. You know, it did never, never got produced. If they had continued down that path, the kind of vehicle that would have ultimately resulted was something very much like the RAV4 Prime, which is the plug-in hybrid version of the, the RAV4, which is now Toyota's best-selling vehicle. They sell something like 450,000 RAV4s a year. And the last two years in, in the U.S., you know, almost a quarter of them have been uh, the hybrids. And, and now they have the, the plug-in hybrid version, which has basically is the same thing, but with a bigger battery and more powerful electric motors. So this RAV4 Prime is the most powerful RAV4 you can get. Combined total of 302 horsepower. Uh, it's got plenty of grunt. It's got an 18 kilowatt hour lithium ion battery uh, that sits underneath the, the rear cargo floor and, and the rear seat. And it's officially rated at a four, 42 miles of electric driving range by in the EPA uh, rating. And... You know, I, I took this thing out. I, I charged it up 
and uh, I I went for a drive. You know, I put it in EV mode, and you know, put it. You know, when you can you can select a mode where it forces it to stay in EV mode, and even with that, um, you know, you still have uh, like about two hundred horse, more than two hundred horsepower between the two motors. You know, the one the more powerful motor in the front axle, and then a fifty three horsepower uh, rear axle motor. Uh, so it's all wheel drive. And, uh, I, I drove 43 miles of mixed driving, you know, some highway driving, some suburban, some urban city driving. I got 43 miles before the engine finally kicked on, which is really impressive. I mean, this, this is a bigger, heavier vehicle than the Volt ever was. And it goes farther on a charge than, than that little Volt. I mean, the Volt was a nice car, but it was, it was small. It was cramped. It was a four seater. Uh, You know, it didn't have a whole lot of space inside, you know, this thing, this is just a regular RAV4, you know, it's got plenty of room for somebody your size, Robbie, and, and, uh, you know, to haul the kids around and you can use this as, you know, it's a, it would be a great, you know, family vehicle. If you got, you know, just a couple of kids, if you don't need a third row, Uh, you know, it's a great, you know, basic, you know, compact, upper compact size crossover. Uh, that I think is actually also pretty cool looking. I like the current generation of the RAV4. I think it's a it's a good looking vehicle, and you can just drive it like an EV, you know. And then you know when it's time to take a road trip, you know, to see your grandparents or you know whatever else you want to do, or drive to Disney, you just keep on driving. You know, it's it's like the, the same kind of thing I've said about the the Chrysler Pacifica plug-in hybrid, where you just you know drive it, you know, you do your daily driving, you know, just plug it in at night, unplug it in the morning do all your daily driving without using any gas. And when it's time for a road trip, then you just keep on going and, you know, stop at the gas station. Um, and, you know, it's not inexpensive. You know, the starting price of the, the RAV4 Prime is, uh, it was, uh, for the SE trim level, is 38250 bucks, And the XSE, which has some, some extra stuff built in, uh, is $41,575. Um, but because it's got that 18 kilowatt hour battery, that means it's eligible for the full $7,500 federal tax credit. So, you know, that, that knocks it down into the low to mid thirties, um, you know, depending on what options you get. The, the one I drove, um, you know, had basically all the options in it, which brought it up to just shy of 50,000 delivered. Um, but you know, that still gets you down to like 42. And if you live in California and you have, you know, the other, you know, the other incentives they have in California, you think there's a $1,500 uh, at point of purchase uh, rebate available from the state of California and various other ones. It's actually not a not a bad deal. And, you know, when you consider the fact that you're going to use way less gas, I mean, even in hybrid mode, uh, it's still, you know, rated at 38 miles per gallon, which, you know, for a vehicle this size, you know, it, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, you know, I, I think. You know, this is a great option. And the only other plug-in hybrid of this type available, well, it's actually not available yet. It hopefully will be available at some point in the near future, is the Ford Escape, uh, which is also rated at like 40 or 41 miles of electric range. But the Escape plug-in hybrid is not going to offer an all-wheel drive option. So if you want all-wheel drive, you're limited to just this one. And there's also going to be the Lincoln Corsair, which is based on the Escape platform, which will have a rear electric motor for all wheel drive. <clears throat> so, you know, I think that, you know, this is, this is a, 
this is a fantastic option for somebody that's thinking about going electric, but uh, isn't quite ready or, you know, maybe your lifestyle means that, you know, you're not quite ready to fully commit to a battery electric vehicle. And, and frankly, you know, at the moment, the, the options in this kind of crossover are still somewhat limited, although there's a bunch more coming. The, there's the VW ID4 that you can get now, uh, the Hyundai Ionic 5 that's coming out uh, in the next few months. So there's, there's more options coming. And of course, there's the Tesla Model Y. Um, but, you know, the advantage, you know, with the Toyota, I mean, Toyota has been doing hybrids for more than 20 years now. They, you know, they've got this thing nailed. They know how to do these things. And, you know, Toyota has got a reputation for reliability that is well-deserved, uh, you know, and, and service and, you know, customer service, you know, something that, you know, going with a, a battery electric from Tesla, maybe a little questionable, you know, if you have any issues, you know, actually getting it fixed, you know, you go to a Toyota dealer anywhere in the country and, you know, they'll have it fixed for you, you know, usually most often the same day, you know, worst case, it might be a day or two if they have to get parts from a warehouse, but you know, that's, that's going to be a pretty rare occurrence with a Toyota. Um, so have either of you had a chance to drive the RAV4 Prime? Yeah, I, I did have a chance to drive it a bit back. I, like you, I was a fan. I thought it was, it was a good choice. And, you know, it was funny. There was a point where I sort of was on the whole plug-in hybrid things. I'm like, well, either you know, ah, just get a regular old hybrid or go with an EV. But like, like I was talking about the options with the EVs, they aren't the same as what you get with vehicles that are still a hybrid or a plug-in hybrid. They still feel like cars where EVs sometimes don't, you know, on the inside. And I really liked the Toyota, the RAV4. I thought the RAV4 was good. I enjoyed driving it. Uh, I, I thought that it was, it did exactly what you wanted to do. You know, you want to be able to plug in and take advantage of that when you can, but you don't want to feel like, Oh God, if I can't plug in my car, I'm going to be stuck in the middle of nowhere. Um, it rides a good balance and it gets that good fuel economy. And that it doesn't, it's weird because now it doesn't matter to people as much like right now on in April of 2021, because so many people are not driving and commuting the way they were before. Like it was a much bigger deal if you wouldn't talking early 2020, where you, you could take the cost of that car and very quickly do the math and say, Oh, I'm going to save a ton of cash on my, on my daily commute. Suddenly now you either don't have a daily commute, you know, it's from your, your bedroom to your office downstairs. And it's a little bit harder to rationalize it, but I think that the rebates help, especially if you're in California, cause you get extra goodies. You don't get everywhere else. Uh, but I think it's, it's a good, it's a good, like, taking the like training wheels, like you aren't really at a tricycle, like at the high, just a straight up hybrid, you're kind of like at the training wheels stage when you get a plug-in hybrid. So eventually you will take those training wheels off and you will go full EV. So it's a nice like intermediary step that gets you used to plugging in without feeling the panic of not being able to. Yeah. I, I, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to do the, the prime I've driven the RAV4, the hybrid and the regular RAV4. And I'm, I am a big fan, you know, I mean, it's, it, it is, it's Toyota quality. It's, you know, the redesign is, you know, much nicer than, you know, the, I, I really like, I like the way it looks. Um, you get, and, and it's, and it's, again, it's a Toyota. So you feel like it's bulletproof, you know, the world's going to end and the only thing left is going to be Toyotas. You know, you're just gonna... Even after your last <laughs> pair of glasses is broken. It, it, yeah. Everything. Yeah. You can't, you can't read everything in the library anymore, but you can still drive, you can still your, drive your Toyota. <laughs> yeah, you can drive your Highlander. You can drive your RAV4. 
um, to, I don't know, lens crafters, I suppose. It didn't yeah. seem like that was that big of a deal for that guy. And in, 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 in <laughs> retrospect, to just go to the, there's got to be some glasses other people are wearing somewhere. Um, but yeah, so the, the, you know, the, 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 the idea of the plug-in hybrid, um, 42 miles. And that, that, that's insane when you think about it. You know, when a couple of years ago, you know, you got the, you, you know, you get 80 miles on an Eagle. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a pure electric vehicle. And, you know, that, that, you know, that was, that was because of that platform. But, you know, now you can get a plug-in hybrid that takes care of everything you need to do during the day without ever jump, you know, dipping into the gasoline in your engine. My brother owns a Volt. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a big fan. And he likes the idea of, you know, he tries to hyper mile it and, you know, uh, but the RAV4, you see, and that's the thing that a everyone wants a crossover or a small SUV. Um, everyone wants to be able to drive something where they don't have that anxiety of 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 uh, you know the range anxiety. In California, I live in California, so I was like, oh well, there's a charger there, there's a charger there, there's a charger there. The rest of the country isn't like California, um, and you know it's it's sometimes it's difficult to explain to people in California that the rest of the country isn't like us. We're not. You know, uh, we don't, they don't have the charging infrastructure. And so, you know, having something that I, uh, like Nicole saying was sort of like training wheels to teach you, you know what, you, you don't drive more than 50 miles a day. And so maybe in a few years, you know, you, you, uh, you know, you, you keep your, your RAV4 prime or whatever other plug-in hybrid you have. And the other, your second vehicle, as you age out of that, you're like, well, maybe we can get an EV for that. So now we have this this plug-in hybrid that we're not we're barely using gas, and then we have an EV for other trips around town. And so it's it's uh, Toyota's EV strategy is weird, but the, the their 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 hybrid strategy is on point. I mean, they are the kings of the hybrid, and I've driven the Prius the Prius Prime. The Pri- I mean, I, I'm just not a fan of that well, of that vehicle, yeah. but I I really like yeah. Here, here, here you get the advantages of a Prius Prime without the weirdness. Exactly. And the, the backup sound in a Prius Prime that happens in the car. Yeah. I was gonna, why are they telling me? Like, I know what gear I put. I know that I'm going reverse. I am doing the reversing. I am actively the one reversing. Why are you warning me I'm going in reverse? I, that drives me crazy. I had someone who didn't believe me. So I was like in my driveway and I had my daughter record. I'm like, just record so that she believes me. See, reverse. It beeps inside the car. <laughs> My my friends bought one. They had one for a few years, and they 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 read the review that I had done of that vehicle, the Prius Prime, and they were like, "You're right." I think they didn't. Be- yeah, again, I don't think people <laughs> believe you. Believe They're like, like, "Oh, it's just really loud." Our readers. I, I like. I had the video guy with me, and we were I'm like, "It doesn't make any noise outside, really." He's like, "Well, you can kind of hear like it from a little different." Yeah, but inside, it's like whoop whoop whoop. You're like, "I know what I'm doing." <laughs> Like the backup camera comes on. I'm in reverse. Yes. I know I'm how to so drive. I'm so glad this yeah. bothers you, Roberto, because it drove me crazy when I had oh, it. it was, but it, it's it's all the great technology that's in the Prius Prime and put into a vehicle that is uh, that is for most people is useful. Uh, what people want, and it, it's it's powerful. You know, there's you know, car and driver did something about how it outran the super in a few different tests or whatever. And I, I you quick. know, and I do agree is that, that if you're going to go with hybrid technology, I feel like Toyota's got that. Like they're they're one you can feel really confident with that. I mean, they've just ditched their gas powertrain altogether for the Sienna. You can no longer get just a gas Sienna. There's only the hybrid Sienna. So they're like all in. They got this. 
Yeah, they 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 know what they're doing. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I would. In fact, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see a Sienna Prime uh, mm. launched, you know, within the next year or so. Uh, yeah. You know, to compete against the Pacifica Hybrid, the Pacifica Plug-in Hybrid. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Speaking of Toyota and electrification, uh, this week they announced... Uh, I think I think they announced it in conjunction with the uh, the Shanghai Auto Show, the their their electric plan, and they're launching a sub brand called Beyond Zero, uh, which I'm not sure exactly what actually goes beyond zero. I mean, you know, isn't that one? Isn't one beyond zero? Well, it depends which direction you're going. I mean, it could be negative one. I guess, yeah. You know, I mean, is it gonna, is it going to is it going to consume <laughs> CO two from the atmosphere and and turn it into fuel that you can then pump back into a gas station? I don't know. Every yeah. car, every car has a tree planted on top. Just, of it. And all I can think of is like the ice cream place. Do you guys have Sub Zero ice cream near you? They like make it. No, the, but I've, I've heard of it. But we okay, don't that's all I can think of is Sub Zero ice cream. I expect the car to make ice cream for me. <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, so be, Beyond Zero or BZ is going to be there or BZ. Uh, it is going to be their uh, their sub brand for battery electric vehicles uh, going forward, and they're planning to launch by 2025. Um, Toyota and Lexus uh, are are going to launch 15 new battery electric vehicles. Today, they have uh, let's see zero um, none. Uh, there there are no battery electric Toyotas that you can buy at least in North America right now. And they're going to launch 15 across the two brands, including seven BZ models uh, for the Toyota brand as part of an, a portfolio of 70 electrified models. So basically, they're putting hybrids into everything else and mm-hmm. launching seven, um, seven uh, BZ models for Toyota. And the first one that they've shown is this BZ4X. Wait, are they really calling? Is it really that how you're saying BZ4X BEV concept? BZ4X, that rolls right off the tongue. We're not missing some other pronunciation, <sighs> are we? That's what they're calling the concept. Okay. Hopefully they don't keep that exact nomenclature for the uh, for the production models. Because like Jeep had the 4XE, but the it's four, actually 4xE. Four four by by e, yeah. Which kind of I'm like, okay, 4xE, that kind of, that works. I, I, but this BZ, I, okay, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> So they launched this looks like a midsize crossover, you know, maybe roughly RAV4, you know, maybe between a RAV4 and a, um, and a Highlander size. I think it's probably closer to RAV4 on the outside and maybe more Highlander sized on the inside just because mm-hmm. it's electric. Um, not a lot of details yet. Um, I think, you know, we'll probably see a production version of this, you know, probably in 2022. Um, but what do, you, what do you guys think of this? You know what? I would love to see them design an EV that doesn't have that really squared off snout, like like they chopped the end of it off. <laughs> like I get that they don't need a grill there, but could you like 
taper that sucker down so it doesn't just look like nothing. <laughs> it's a bit, yeah, yeah. It's a bit like the Sphinx where its nose was cut off at some yes, point. Yes, like, the like there was this really nicely sculpted <laughs> front end and like, whoops, got a little carried away. Well, let's leave it like that. Well, I figure it works for Tesla. Yeah, I mean, that's what Tesla did on the Model that's 3 true. and the Y. Just like blop. Yeah. yeah, but it still doesn't mean I have to like it. I still like it. Why can't we make it pretty in the front? Like, it's like, oh, now that we don't need like a fancy honeycomb grill, let's just lock that right off and do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, oh yeah we don't need that anymore just whatever not just part of the, the design er- process the er- we forget forget it got we the stop era- there. yeah we got the erase tool in cat nothing nothing we don't need anything up there because we don't need anything up there um you know it it, it has the you know it, it's it, it it mirrors the current design philosophy of toyota with everything with the sharp angles and the you know, more aggressive stance and like, of course that weird front end um that's been it's not just lopped off it's almost like concave yeah it comes yeah. in um, yeah and you know i i uh, sometimes I, I i i question toyota's toyota's when it comes to bevs toyota and honda are both just like uh we don't know <laughs> they just well everyone else like, is moving forward like they're fuel just cells, like, you know like well you know we have hybrids why do you what do you want from us we um i know and then we have fuel cells they're like oh okay um uh, it, you know, it's so it's it they're they're sort of you know almost half-heartedly coming out with with their their, their BEV news and their platform, um, and they, you know and, and I can sit there and 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 question them all day, but they're you know they they also have again we talked about the Prime, which is a great vehicle. It's you know it's it, for most people they they'll be dipping into the gas you know once or twice a week. Um, but it, I, I'm happy they're doing something, and I'm sure it's it's all for you know for Europe and for China in order to meet regulatory um, constraints, in order to sell vehicles in those those areas, and then we'll we'll eventually probably maybe get something here. I'm sure they're going to keep a a sharp eye on what happens with the ID4 mm. and literally every other you know EV crossover that's coming out um, before they make a decision for the United States because. They, they, you know, it's it's all about that spreadsheet for Toyota. Yeah, well, I think I think they are gonna they are, they have said they are gonna launch uh, some battery electrics in North America uh, in the next two years, um, and I, I would not be surprised if this is the first one that gets launched, uh, or something you know something like this is is the first one that gets launched. Um, one, what what about the the interior? I was just uh, gonna say, did you check out that? the interior of this how the uh instrument cluster looks what is that giant tray situation it's it's a little weird yeah you've got this kind of channel that it goes back to a digital instrument cluster that's right at the base of the windshield so instead of putting the cluster right behind the steering wheel it's they moved it forward which i think is actually not a bad idea you know again gets you gets it closer to where you know Close to like to where you'd be, see a, a heads up display. Right. Like your line of sight is more in yeah. line with the road. You don't have to look as far away from the road. That makes sense. Yeah. It's but just, it's, I'm not, it's I'm not sure you need that channel on either side of it. It's, it looks a little odd. It looks it's like very, it's begging um, for someone to just throw something there. Cause they're like, I need to like, like you'd throw something up there. I don't know if it would hold something like, but the worst spot to put stuff in your car, like you don't want to store stuff directly in front yeah. of your face, but doesn't it feel, can't you imagine someone like just tossing their key or tossing something up there and then. Yeah, I, I take my wallet out of my pocket when I drive. And what if I if I threw it up there the first time I accelerated, just whoop, 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 into my lap onto the ground. Now I'm doing now I'm reaching in onto the ground. I'm not driving safely. It looks like a half pipe for some skaters. Yeah, there you go. That's, <laughs> um, that's, that's the... or maybe something 
some sort of snowboarding X game uh, half pipe. It's it's a it's a weird decision. Uh, so my theory is uh, that's going to be one of the things because this is just a concept because, you know, it's never going to look just like this when it comes out. Maybe that will get toned down a little bit. <laughs> I, I hope so. Yeah. I hope you just sort of just get rid of it and just have it. I don't, maybe they didn't want it floating, but they have the, the infotainment. The infotainment if it was just floating, if they just got rid of those that side <laughs> Like you said, the half pipe, the channel thing, I think it would not look, I don't know. I'm looking at a picture of it on my lap, you know, my computer, maybe in person, it makes more sense than it does looking at it on the screen, but. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to give him the benefit the- of the doubt, Sam. In person, <laughs> it's a whole different car. It looks entirely different. It makes total sense. <laughs> Even from the side view, it's very, yeah, this, that's, I feel like it's very concept. You can see where the the uh, the steering column has this like very large like cowl yeah. that sort of moves up and down and you know uh, i feel like where it's at you're you're, you're always going to have the top of the steering wheel blocking your view of whatever something that's happening on the uh, well when you look at that, that you're right because when you look at that one picture that's just like head on as if you're sitting in the driver's seat you can see the top of the steering wheel actually does cut in to whatever they're displaying it looks like they have a fake display of like the speed it does cut the bottom of that right off. Yeah. It's also right. And, and you know, it cuts off, you know, some of the windshield. I don't even know if it's, if it's, is that legal? Can you cut off the t- Is that legal? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with, within reason. Yeah, sure. yeah, with, yeah. I, you know, you know, um, I, I, I'm just going to say that I, I'm a big fan of the Maki and the ID4 yes. idea of just sticking the display right on the column. And making it just this very nice small yeah. display with just a few things. That's all you need. I'm like, I this is I love this. This is I, I love this display. Just put the essential information that you need while you're driving. You know, and and grant, you know, this is not a particularly large display. You know, it's it's I think similar in size to what you get in the uh the ID four and the Mach E. Uh it's just that mm-hmm. it's pushed out, you know, to the base of the windshield, which is a little weird. But but at least it's in front of the driver instead of being off in the middle of the dashboard like the Prius, you know, which I've always hated. It's always yeah. driving. No, it just it puts your eyes in the right spot. I get yeah. that. It, it 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 sends your eyes in the right direction. It keeps them higher instead of lower, um, which is always a good thing to reduce the amount of time your eyes are away from the actual road. But um, but I do like like you said, I like them really simple. I the instrument clusters that you can configure eight hundred and fifty two ways. I never configure them 800 ways. I'm like, I just want to see how fast I'm going. That's really, I don't need, I don't need to know everything. I don't need a news scroll at the bottom. It's like, you're watching like the news and there's like a ticker tape at the bottom. You're like, guys, stop. I don't need all this information about my car right now. <laughs> Speed, uh, nav prompts. If I'm using nav yes, and that's fair. You know, uh, blind spot monitor alerts, uh, you know, if you've got that. I'm not a blind spot monitor alert fan because I, I've been told that we need a New England setting. So we're we cut fast. So I feel like I'm always getting an alert that I'm cutting someone off. And I'm like, he's fine. Guys, stop beeping at me. <laughs> so he's you need totally sens- fine. <laughs> you need a sensitivity control, I take it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Cadillac Lyric. Uh, Cadillac the other day um, made, made some announcements uh, as they moved towards production on the Lyric. Um, when they initially announced the Lyric um, last year. They said that it was going to launch in China in mid-2022 and then in the U.S. late in the year. They've actually moved that whole program up uh, throughout the course of the pandemic. They've been working away on this thing, and they pulled it ahead. It's going to start production in the first quarter of 2022 in Spring Hill, Tennessee, where uh, the plant that was originally created to build Saturn 
Uh, now it's going to be an EV plant going forward. And it's, um, it's priced starting at just $60,000. Um, you know, and the, the production version looks almost exactly the same as the show car that they showed us last summer. And the only real difference is they, they got rid of the, the exterior camera mirror stocks and replaced it with regular optical mirrors. But uh, what, what do you guys think of the Lyric? I think it looks good. I love how the charging port looks on it. I mean, that seems like such a silly small thing, but that the way that door kind of shifts down, I think the charging port looks really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, but I also think the charging port is a bit like that 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 uh, retractable display because it's so huge that you know the first time you do it, you're like, hey, look at this. But then the second time you do it, you realize that the cable's now hitting the charging port door, and then eventually now you're gonna have to go to the Cadillac and get your charging port door fixed because the charge cable be all scuffed up. Pushing. Oh man, yeah, it's Roberto, have you just ruined the whole it. thing. It was so cool until you said that. And I'm like, all dang right. it. He's a hundred percent right. It's, That's going to be a challenge, isn't it? Uh, I'd be curious to see how Audi's doing. Cause they, Audi has basically the same setup with their charging port door on the e-tron uh, where it comes out and, and down like that. And uh, I'd be curious to see if they're having any issues with, um, with those getting scuffed up. Although Granted, you know, the, the cables, you know, are especially the, the DC fast charge cables are pretty stiff. So once you plug it in, you know, they tend not to hang down very much. They tend yeah, to go pretty, pretty, yeah. pretty, much, pretty much straight out. Um, but uh, what, what about the uh, the interior of this thing? You know, you've got that 33 inch LCD uh, display, curved LCD display across the front and this is going to be uh, one of their first ones with their new infotainment system that is also on Android Automotive, and uh, but they're using the full Google Suite. So you can see on on one of the images there, you got the Google Assistant and uh, uh, Google Play Store and, and uh, Google Maps and the instrument cluster. Um, what do you think of the interior design? I I like it a lot. I mean, you still have like tangible buttons, um, even. And you have, and, and we can be concerned about privacy when it comes to Google, but I still use Google Maps. I still use, you know, all these 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 systems. And the fact that now you can have Google Maps in the, the cluster for where I'm going, as opposed to using my smartphone. I mean, that gives Cadillac back that, you know, that control over what the, the person who's, who's driving is seeing. Because, well, now, you know, I plug in my phone so I can use Google Maps and I can reply to text messages with my voice. That's pretty much it. Everything else is sort of, you know, I could do that over Bluetooth for music or for Audible or whatever. Um, and so this gives them, you know, that that sort of screen real estate and that brand real estate back um, instead of giving it up completely to Google or completely to Apple. And, you know, because they have the Play Store, they haven't said exactly, you know, what apps are going to be available in there. You there is the potential, I think, to download other uh, mapping apps, you know, like TomTom Tom or Here or Sigic. Uh, just launched their own um, that uh, you know you may, you may be able to download different different navigation apps and use those. Uh, whether they'll display in the cluster like Google Maps does, I don't know. Uh, but you know, I think there there will be alternatives to Google Maps if you don't want to use that. And, and it also still has support for Alexa voice services. So if you don't want to use the assistant, if you want to use, uh, you know, Amazon, you can use that. Um, and it, it also has support for CarPlay. So if you connect your phone, you can use Siri. Yeah, I like how it looks. I actually love these really 
like these long curved LCD screens. I like not having it split up. Like I like just having this one long space. I, as much as I complain about cars being too clean when they're EVs, I like that clean infotainment is one big, like just one big screen. So what is it? 33 inches of screen is cool, but I'm not a fan of the ginormous row of, are those hard? I can't tell if they're just touch buttons or they're actual buttons that they're, are like they're, below they're, the screen. They're, they're touch buttons. They're, they're touch sensitive. Uh, I think they do have haptic feedback, but they they are touch sensitive buttons. They're, ca- they're capacitive. That's a lot of buttons. That is a giant row of buttons. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think a lot of the stuff like climate control, you'll be able to actually do that with voice through Google Assistant and just say, you know, I'm cold, you know, raise the temperature, things like that. Um, so you won't even most of the time really have to touch them. Well, then why do we have a giant row of them? Hide them, make them less giant row. I don't like the giant row. You know what else? The, the Corvette has that giant row of buttons too inside the Corvette that I wasn't a fan. I was like, what? Why are there 850 buttons on in a straight line when you sit down in this car? What is happening? So, yeah. I think what that comes down to is the, the person who's going to buy this, which is usually a boomer at this point. 20 year olds aren't buying this. What do you mean? This isn't like a millennial car. (laughs) And so they, they still want a button, even if it's a haptic feedback, something that they can push because they uh, dag nab it. My brain boomers and my brain boomers were born in the twenties. Dag nab it. It's so, you know, you, you get that. I, I I like the idea of the, the play store integration because um, one of the biggest issues, especially when you have an EV, is that you need directions to a charging station. And the fact that now you can get, you know, EV apps now work in CarPlay. And if you can get like Electrify America, which for some reason still doesn't work in, in CarPlay, um, but if you can get something like that and you can use that on your display as opposed to looking down at your phone every, you know, you know, a couple minutes to figure out, like, where am I going to pick up this to, to, to get my car charged, which is a huge deal for, you know, any EV, at least for the next, you know, five, 10 years until we actually have infrastructure that that's built out to where you're not like, you know, sort of freaking out when you're driving on a long trip and you realize, oh God, I have to charge. I got to go find the community college. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually that's, that's where the charge point stations nearby me here are is at the wet wash, not community college in the parking garage there. And that's, that's when I had the RAV4, that's where I went to to plug it in because I was trying out uh charge points app, which now has um, Android or at least there's a beta version that supports Android auto. And so I was using that through Android auto and, found a couple of bugs with it um, that that reported back to ChargePoint, but that's, that's getting there, you know, so you'll actually be able to, um, you know, if you've got the ChargePoint app on your phone, you set up your account on there, it'll, it'll, um, you can hit that app. It can show you locations of where, uh, where chargers are nearby. And when you go and plug in, you can activate the charging directly from the screen. You don't have to tap your phone on or anything, just plug in and, and hit, you know, start charging. Um, so that, and they have, they have that for, uh, iOS already. Uh, so you can use that in CarPlay and the, the Android version will, uh, the Android auto version will be coming out, uh, sometime soon. Uh, I'm curious what you guys think of the, uh, the lighting on this thing, both the, the C pillar as, as well as the, the front lighting, you know, cause the, like the, the front in particular, you've got that, um, you know, as you walk up to it, you know, it does this little dance of all these LEDs, you know, and kind of smiles at you as, you know, to say hello as you're walking up. I, I kind of, Everyone. I don't know. I'm kind of okay with the light. I mean, I don't love it, but I, I 
I like when cars have like puddle lights. I know that's the silliest little thing. Like when the puddle light in a Mustang looks like a Mustang, I'm like, he cute. Like I like the little lights and stuff. I'm, I'm all about these little light accents to make my life happy. So, um, I think it was kind of fun. <laughs> you think everyone at Audi's like, oh, really? Now you guys want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I, I like the, I like the lights. It does remind me of that, that, um, that one whale that has that, that sort of grill across its, its mouth. Oh, it like, a, like, a, like a uses, blue whale. Yeah. And it just, it swims and it uses it to, to sort of, to filter out all the plankton so yeah. it, it gets food that way. But you guys aren't seeing as Roberto in. trying to mimic with his hands what a whale looks like. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I talk with my hands it a lot. It was awesome. Like, I get what he's trying to say now. <laughs> the Patreon will now just have me making hand making gestures. Making hand gestures. <laughs> this is how a whale looks, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got his thing. I'll do little drawings of the whale and it'll look really bad and it'd be the worst version of Pictionary ever. Um, but I, you know, if you have, I think, differentiation from everything else that's on the road is 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 sorely lacking in in ice vehicles um everything sort of looks like everything else from from more than 50 feet away uh to the average person so i think th this this is going to be like oh look at this i think and i think that's why the maki when i had it like got so much attention because it sort of does look a little bit different from everything else uh more so than you know your average ice vehicle so i think doing this will help uh cadillac at least like put a stake in the ground. And when you see it, you know, that's a Cadillac. Yeah. And, you know, like we talked about earlier with the Toyota, you know, when you don't have the need for, you know, a traditional grill for cooling, you know, you just need a you know, small opening to cool the battery The you want something up there. I mean, because you, otherwise you're just going to have this expanse of blank body work like you have on a Tesla. And, you know, how do you distinguish different brands? You know, this I think this is an interesting way to to set Cadillac apart, you know, give it a, a different look, you know, to move it move it beyond what current Cadillac uh, um, faces look like and, and give it something that's that's different. Well, and, you know, when you're talking about the boomers wanting their buttons to, to push. Also, if you're a boomer buying a Cadillac, you kind of want everyone to know that you got yourself a Cadillac, like fancy car. And it it adds another element of like, I just didn't get a Cadillac. I got a really cool Cadillac. Look at my lyric. It's the fanciest. So it kind of falls in line with that idea of who would be buying this one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, during the, uh, the briefing they did the other day, um, Rory Harvey, who's the um, the head of Global Cadillac now, one of the things that he mentioned during this event was going forward, Cadillac will not be introducing any more new internal combustion vehicles. So they're going to do updates on the ones they have. So, you know, the Escalade is going to get some updates, XT4, XT5, XT6. But going forward, every new Cadillac that's launched is going to be electric. And their goal is by 2030, they'd like to be selling nothing but EVs. And, uh, the, you know, this is the first and then the next one in the lineup is going to be the, the Celestic, which is going to be their big flagship uh, sedan, um, which is, uh, you know, kind of kind of interesting looking. Um, they haven't shown it. They're going to show it publicly, I think, sometime this summer. Um, and, you know, that's going to be a, that's going to be a competitor for, I think, or maybe even above something like the Lucid Air Grand Touring. Uh, it's going to be hand built in Detroit, um, very low volumes. And they've talked about, 
very high price point. The, you know, the the uh, the lyric is going to start at sixty grand, and at six at sixty grand price point, you get a hundred kilowatt hour battery pack, three over three hundred miles of range, um, and uh, Super Cruise are all standard for that sixty grand. Um, we don't know. You know, I'm guessing that there will be plenty of options that take it up closer to a hundred, but that's that's actually a surprisingly reasonable price. It was it's less than what I was expecting for this car. Mm. Yeah, the price points, it's, 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 you know, especially when you get the, the, the federal and state tax credits, you know, this is going to do well in, in LA, especially yeah. um, as you get. Well, for now, at least GM who, doesn't have any federal tax credits available. They, they sold their oh, 200,000, yeah. but depending oh, on what gets passed right. by Congress from this infrastructure yeah. bill, they might have some new incentives, federal incentives available. But I was GM and, and Tesla, they, they, you know, they're just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay. I'm sure GM has lobbyists and Tesla has Elon texting people. All right. So <laughs> yeah, Tesla has Elon. Yeah. They don't need lobbyists. <laughs> Cat, Cadillac Lyric, BMW IX. Which one would you choose? Oh. Mm. Uh, mm. oh <laughs> I don't know. Look, I, I you know I like the I like the way the lyric looks compared to the IX. Just be I, the the I know that's a weird thing to say. Um, I don't think that's weird. <laughs> uh, well, the, I, the IX is <laughs> not that attractive. Yeah. Especially um, the front end. The front end is it's so, I don't know. And it's all sharp and stabby. Um, it's like a paper craft. Very, it's very, a paper craft pedestrian car. friendly. Yes. Yeah. I feel like the IX doesn't uh, have the personality. It just, it, there's more personality going on in the lyric. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think I'm gonna have to go. Uh, um, that's a toughie. It's not a toughie. I really don't like BMW's you know, right just, now. It, Lyric. Oh my god, <clears throat> I can't. The, the the two giant. I don't like. I'm gonna go teeth. Lyric. The buck. The the beaver teeth in the front. I can't. <laughs> I don't know what's happened yeah, there. Yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to have to say Lyric. You're right. I'm going to have to say Lyric. I, I, I like, I, I sort of like the, the sort of almost deconstructed interior of the, of the IX, but um, at the same time, I still have to drive it around and people have to look at me and they were going to judge me. So <laughs> Lyric. <laughs> it's like being a green bubble on, mess, on Apple messages. Yeah. Last item, uh, Stellantis, uh, formerly known as FCA, Fiat Chrysler and, and PSA. Um, has decided to kill the Giorgio platform. So this is the the platform architecture that they developed for um, the uh, Alfa Romeo, Stelvio, and Giulia. And back in 2014, when they first announced it, um, Sergio Marchionne talked about this being the the basis for at least eight new models across Fiat Chrysler, and you know hundreds of thousands of units a year. You know, and this was going to be their premium rear wheel drive, all wheel drive platform. And, you know, it was supposed to be the basis for the new, a new version of the Challenger or replacement for the Challenger and the Charger and the Chrysler 300. And it's dead now. It's, they're, they're not going to, they're, they're not going to do done. anything with it going forward, except there's going to be one more uh, Maserati midsize crossover. That's uh, basically a derivative of the Stelvio. And that's it. Nothing else because it's just too expensive good but it's expensive yeah 
at, at least we got the Julia and the Stelvio out of it. Yeah. I mean, those are two wonderful cars that I would never buy. I would maybe lease for six months, but you know, why the would Julia you not is, buy is, it? Because you've worried that it would last beyond six months. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm sure it would last at least eight months. Well, it's, if you got at least a three year oh, okay. warranty, you know? Yeah. If you got the three year war, okay. If you get a three year loan, or a three-year lease with a three-year warranty, you know, if, if, and all the phone calls you get, you just say yes to every phone call about your car warranty. Um, <laughs> you're, you're, you're golden. I love, love, love the Julia. I don't care what variation. I don't care Thank if it's a low end. I don't care. Everything about the Julia is just a wonderful car. Uh, I really like the Stelvio. Um, but yeah, it's, it's expensive, like you said. And at some point, you have to look at the future and be like, well, we need to consolidate. I love the Julia. It, I'm with yeah. you. I love the Julia. It's like my favorite car. I don't care how reliable it is. I love that thing. And um, people can mock me all. If I could buy one, I'd be like, sure. I don't care if it spends half its life in the garage, the other half of its life, it's going to make me so happy. I would still buy it. So <laughs> yeah. I, 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 when I lived in San Francisco, I, you know, you get got a lot of cars, BMWs, you know, um, I8s, whatever. I had the Julia. And one of my neighbors who would walk, uh, he would walk his dog every night and he'd come, you know, I'd be outside or what, and he would talk to me about the cars and I had the Julian parked on the street. And he's like, that doesn't seem like the kind of car you need to, you should have parked on the street. You should put that in your garage. Really? The Julia above everything else that I had had, that was the car that he was it's like. Cause that, it looks so different. Cause you never see them. So when you do see one, you look at it and you think whatever that is has to be special and should be taken care of, you know? Yeah. And like and Nicole, you just spent a better part of a week in a Stelvio driving cross country with Rebecca. I did. Um, and yeah, that's I mean, I'd, I'd never spent more than I don't even think I've had one for a press loan for a week. So I've only ever spent like, you know, eight hours at a time in any of them, I think, you know, for like on a on a drive. But um, the Stelvio was fantastic. I really had no complaints about it. It was comfortable. It did it. Everyone was sassing us the whole way. One person gave me like, you're driving cross country. He just put up like the roadside assistance number for Alfa Romeo as a comment. <laughs> um, so, and I'm like, okay, fine, you know, fine, do that, whatever. But we didn't have any issues. It handled beautifully. And we had, we didn't have any snowy weather, but we had some crummy, it was just mucky weather. Apparently when they sand the roads in Denver, they use a pound of sand for every square inch of roadway. So like sand <laughs> everywhere, uh, you know, and so it's like, so it was kind of pain in the neck to driving. So even the nice driving and the not nice driving weather-wise, uh, it's a great vehicle. I loved it. I, it was comfortable. I mean, we drove across the entire United States in that thing. And I never felt like, get me out of this. It's loud. I need a break. It's uncomfortable. I need a break. It was, it was comfortable right up until the time that we got to the hotel each night. So I, I loved it. I'm a fan. Yeah. You know, I, I've driven both the, the two liter versions of, of both, you know, the, the, the Julia and the Stelvio as well as the quadrifolios and, I am a huge fan of the Quadrifolio. That that twin turbo 2.9 liter V6 is just, uh, it just sounds so incredible. You know, you stand on it. Um, the, the one the one issue with those though is if you're driving into central Ohio, um, the the, uh, the the turbo, uh, they recommend, or you know, actually I think it's, it might even say requires uh, premium gas. And I took the, the Stelvio Quadrifolio to drive to Columbus for a Honda event uh, from my home uh, near Ann Arbor. And once I got off of I-75 and, you know, turned in towards central Ohio, it's like none of the gas stations in the, in the small towns had anything but regular gas. 
And I suspect that they were probably not more than like 82 octane. You know, so I, I, you know, and I needed gas because yeah, it's not the most fuel efficient car in the world. So and how I, did that work out? Uh, I put in just enough gas to make sure I could get to Columbus, um, <laughs> you know, and uh, and then filled it up with premium when I got there and, you know, made sure not to uh, not, not to, you know, get too hard on the accelerator, um, while I was driving, which actually when you're driving in central Ohio is a wise thing to do anyway. You don't want to drive too quickly there because every little town's got a, a sheriff's deputy waiting behind every tree ready to, uh, ready to write you a ticket, uh, for going half a mile an hour over the posted speed limit. So, you, you know, it worked out. Okay. Yeah. You know, I got back safe and didn't, the car wasn't making any weird noises when I got back. So, I think it was all right. It survived. That's good. Did you whisper, I'm sorry, uh, to the car as you were putting I, I, the, I the 82 I, octane? I, I did so sorry. That. Yeah, I was, I'm so I was, sorry, I was baby. Petting, petting, the, petting the fender, trying to keep it calm. And, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm feeding you McDonald's instead of. <laughs> It'll be okay. I'll, I'll, Don't I'll, worry. There's a filet the I'll, next date over. I'll, I'll, I get, promise. Yeah, I'll, I'll get you the good stuff as soon as we get to get to a decent town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, let's hit a couple of uh, listener emails before we wrap it up for today. Uh, first up, Ken Brank. And this is actually kind of related to something you were talking about earlier with the Sierra, um, Robbie. Uh, in episode 188, you were discussing commercial driver's licenses in conjunction with the F-350, which Dan had been driving. With these trucks, it's more likely that the requirements kick in based on what you're towing. In California, for instance, uh, a travel trailer over 10,000 pounds uh, GVW or a fifth wheel over 15,000 pounds require a non-commercial Class A license. Uh, most states base the requirements on the towed trailer. Uh, some combine the weights. A common misconception is that folks think it's the actual weight that establishes the requirement. In California, at least, it's the weight rating um, that sets the requirement. So, um, I, Rob, you don't have a commercial driver's license, do you? I don't. I thought about getting one. And then someone pointed out that if you have a commercial driver's license and um, you get pulled over with your regular driver's license, you get really hosed uh, because you have this commercial driver's license. Like you, you're, you're, you're held to a higher expectation. So I was like, yeah, I don't want to be held. To that. <laughs> I haven't been pulled over in, oh my God, like eight years, which is considering what I do. I'm like, wow, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Um, and so, but I don't want it when I do get pulled over for doing, for driving too quickly. Um, I don't want to be extra zapped because I got the commercial driver's extra license. Extra zapped. That's an official term. <laughs> I was extra zapped. Extra zapped. <laughs> extra zapped in the, in the, in the bank account area. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, uh, I think the, the heaviest trailer I've ever towed was, uh, I want to say like 12,000 pounds, you know, uh, a conventional trailer was a 12,000 pound trailer on a, a GM heavy duty pickup drive about 10 years ago. And, you know, that was dri driving the, you know, this three ton truck pulling a, a, a four ton or no, let's see, six ton trailer behind it um, through the mountains of West Virginia, you know, and I had like five minutes of coaching from a, a GM engineer <laughs> <laughs> before we started. I, you know, I towed small trailers before that, but never anything that big. And he said, yeah, it's no problem. Yeah. Just, you know, it's got, we've got the, the, the trailer brake control. It, it uses the, the uh, the variable nozzle turbo for for engine braking when you're going downhill you know when you turn on the the brake the trailer brake control it'll crank the the vanes and the the turbo back to give you more back pressure and slow you down without actually hitting the brakes or downshifting 
which was, and said, just rely on that. You'll be fine. And I said, okay, fine. No problem. And it worked out. Okay. I'm still here. I think the same thing I've done. I did, um, only time I've done any kind of heavy duty towing was on a, um, Ram program again, never just on my own. It was on a program and it was the first time I'd towed anything significant. And I actually was my drive partner was, um, a guy who does towing stuff all the time Tim Estradale, just pick up truck mm-hmm. talk yeah. plus SUV. I think I got it right. I may have mangled that name a little bit, but he, I was like, Tim, I don't, I am so don't know what I'm doing. He's like, you got this. And it was great to have someone sitting in the passenger seat to kind of like, this is how this works. You're fine. I'm like, Oh, okay. Now that has someone coach me through this. This is not so hard, but when you look at that, they're like, get in there and tow that. You're like, what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Just someone saying, you know what? You got this. You got this. You're like, okay. Yeah, you're like, sure. right. As opposed to wrong. He doesn't seem yeah, to be jumping out of the truck in a panic. So I feel like yeah. I do have it. <laughs> you don't see him texting nine one one and right, then hold exactly. his finger over the go just, button. Just in, like, case. just in case. Yeah. He seemed pretty case. relaxed. So I thought, okay, if he's not panicking, I'm doing okay. Yeah. All right. Last one uh, from Adam Jackalenko. Um, and uh, Adam says, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a Patreon supporter or sorry. Uh, I mean, a Patreon supporter is kind of like a boss, right? Regardless, I, ha- I hereby forbid Sam from leaving the show. That is all. <laughs> Adam, don't worry. I'm not going anywhere. I'm sticking with this till the bitter end, till the last person has stopped listening and downloading. I'll, I'll be here. Uh, he says, I'm confident the show will be as entertaining, still be as entertaining and informative as ever. And if you have ever have listeners on the show again, I'm game. Well, I would say that based on this first outing with uh, with you, Robbie, that uh, it has I, I personally think it has lived up to expectations, which, you know, it's a low bar for us. But you know, <laughs> I'm <laughs> think, quite think, pleased. Yeah, this I'm, has I'm, been fun. I, I think this is going to work out just fine. And and uh, we will definitely have uh, more live Zoom shows with listeners again in the future. Um, and uh, as I said, you know, Dan will be back from time to time with some special stories. Uh, but I'm I'm so glad you agreed to join us, Robbie. This is, this has been fun. And. And Nicole, as always, great to have you here. Yeah, this uh, is working out. Hey, yeah. I want. Can we? Do we have time to do one more question? I have a question. Absolutely. Someone asked us on. It's on Twitter, so it's not in our show notes. So, okay. like, I'm going to have to read it from my phone. It's from Adam J, and he said, "Can you tell us number one the cars you all currently own and drive, and number two your favorite car you've driven in the last year?" Sam, you go first. Okay, uh, so in the garage. Uh, we have a 2017 Honda Civic hatchback, which is my wife's primary uh, vehicle that she drives, but I occasionally drive it as well. Um, and it's bright red, uh, race red, I think is the official color name. Um, and uh, uh, sitting next to that is my 1990 uh, Mazda Miata, uh, which you know I've talked about once or twice in the past. Uh, and that's, that's my toy. Um, and then I would say my favorite car that I've driven in the last year it's a it's a tough choice um you know i think just as a as a pure favorite um i'd probably have to give it to the corvette the the c8 corvette um which i think is just such a fantastic car um in so many ways and especially when you consider the price point you know what it what it does for that price point is just remarkable uh but i also really really enjoyed the mustang mach-e you know it has for for the time being, at least, it is my favorite EV. Um, what about you, Robbie? Uh, so we have uh, two vehicles. The one we purchased, which is a 2014 BRZ manual transmission, rear-wheel drive. It's the tall man's Miata, is what it is. <laughs> uh, 
I don't fit in a Miata. Um, I wish I did, but I don't. Uh, my head always hits the the the, the roof or the well, cover well, or whatever. You, you, there's an easy fix for that. You just never put the top up, which right. is what I do. Yeah, you know, it's raining. It's <laughs> whatever. Or I rip the seat out and I bolt in a new seat, yeah. which I did with my uh, my Roadster when I was a kid. Is we just rip the seat out, put new holes in, and sh- and pulled it back, and then you can never move the seat. Uh, and then we also have a um, this was a gift, a 2004 Jaguar X Type. Ooh. Um, I, the Ford Mondeo. The fancy uh, Mondeo. So we have, the fancy we contour. Have the, the, yeah, we had the fancy. Uh, we had the Mondeo Sport uh, Elite, is what I like to call it. Um, it was a gift from my father-in-law because it turns out the resale price on that thing is, is almost zero. Um, they were going to, they were trying to sell it. They were trying to trade it in. They were only going to get like a thousand bucks, 500 bucks for it. So they gave it to us. Uh, it's a three liter. It's the all wheel drive. We use it mostly for the dog. We take, use it to take the dog to the dog park. We use it to run errands around town. Um, every check engine light uh, imaginable comes on all the time uh but for them you know it works it does what it's supposed to it gets us around town it's a it's you know it's it's a weird little car i wish he had uh had purchased the wagon yeah of that, that would have been know, better for the dog those. it would oh yeah and and it would and it would be a wagon yeah. i would have been very excited about that but you know it's it's so you are a proper automotive is, uh, journalist you you do prefer station wagons Oh, oh, my, my, uh, so, so is it brown? <laughs> and it has to be me- brown and have a manual transmission to complete the, you know, it has to have a manual yeah. transmission. Yeah. If, if he had gotten the wagon with the manual transmission, I would have been like, and he said, here you go. I'd have been like, Oh, I've been very excited. Even with all the sort of like, you know, Ford Jaguar issues that, that arise. Um, and then, uh, my favorite car that I've driven this year, and this really brings me back to my old, uh, WRX. I used to have that the engine blew about eight years ago um was the uh the sti uh series white and 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 i'll and i'll explain why um first if you own a wrx or an sti you learn how to drive it like it's it, you can't just get behind the wheel and drive that car like the second second gear is like this is super short it's built for like flying up hills and jumping over i don't know the rally hills. car and rally, it's yeah. a rally car so it's it's got a very weird you know the 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 the, the gearing's very weird Everything about it is sort of odd and you have to get used to it. But if you have that ingrained in your DNA from driving one for a while, whenever you get into an, even a new one, you're like, oh, yeah, this is it. <laughs> and I really love it because I live in the East Bay of the Bay Area. And while we have, you know, nice twisty roads over here near my house, they're also pitted and they're full of holes. And, you know, I've, I've had two vantages and both of them is just like it's 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 teeth jarring. Um, everything else is very you can't shoot video over here because the roads are too tough i usually will typically go over to marin where the roads are much nicer and you can get some nice hairpins and but that sti it didn't matter it doesn't matter it doesn't matter with an sti it's designed to run through forests right it's designed to run through forests, and so it's fine and so that yeah it i think it's 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 part nostalgia as as a former wrx owner and it's part uh the idea that i could just go just all out in this vehicle and it doesn't matter how you know, bad the road is, it'll take it and it'll, it just wants, you know, if, if you know how to drive it, it's ready to go and it wants to give you more. Cool. Okay. I guess that leaves me. So we have two cars, one's hubby's, one's mine. So my husband's normally driving. He has a 15 Cherokee, um, trailhawk, um, because you know, red tow hooks and skid plates are cool. Uh, so he loves it. He, he loves that. He loves those. And I like it too. It's I, I like Jeeps and I have a 2010 charger. Um, but it's like your base, most boringest 
you know, rental special charger that I bought at the time, because remember those kids with the sticky hands and the Mandarin oranges, that's the age they were at when I bought it. Um, but it's still like, it's fun to drive a charger. I like, I like having it. So it's, I like big, great big cars. Now, you know, why I like the Durango as an SUV so much. Um, so those are the two cars that we have. Favorite car is like a hard one. Cause I feel like I'm like listening to you guys. I'm like, Oh yeah, the Mach-E. Oh yeah. That like, there's a lot of good cars that are driven. So I'm just going to pick something that you guys didn't say. So I'm going to go with what I just had a few weeks ago, which was the NSX. Uh, uh-huh. because excellent choice. Yeah, oh yeah. Because it's, it, it, yes, it's, it's expensive. Most people are never going to sit in it, but the thing was, I still feel it was the most livable supercar I've ever driven. Like you could, you can drive it every day and you don't feel the harshness. Um, if you want to, you know, track it, go for it. But if you just want to use that car to get groceries and your grocery list is short, uh, yeah, you can do it. It's, it's a very livable car and just, Oh my God, is it pretty and fun to drive? So that would be my favorite car that I've had in the last year. It's, it's so wonderful. I thought when I got the, the review unit that I drove year i don't know it was over a year ago mm-hmm. um it had six thousand miles on it already and and if it was a, a ferrari or a lamborghini it'd be or ready for or anything rebuild. right i'd be ready for it yeah uh, but it was it's it's an nsa i can take this to the honda dealer it was just so wonderful yeah. to drive i drove it to santa cruz i drove it around uh the bay area and i absolutely loved it and i and when we were shooting video a guy uh was riding his bike and he he was talking to us about it and I was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's, you get the supercar feel and look, but you also get that, that Honda Acura, yes. you know, that, that reliability. And he's like, yeah, I have a Ferrari and my friend has a Ferrari. And I'm like, okay. Uh, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, my friend's Ferrari has to be sent back to Italy. He won't have it for 18 months. Oh my gosh. And for mine, when I have to, I have to schedule an oil change and that's going to take four months. Wow. I'm like, yeah, if you had this, and so he was very interested in the NSX because he had spent all this money on the Ferrari. And then he's like, well, I don't, should I drive it? I have to get, no, I mean, you should be fine. But the fa- idea that, you know, you have to send your car away, his friend has to send his car away to get fixed. And the idea that just to get an oil change requires a very special appointment. See, and I know, I guess if you're spending the kind of money that those cars cost, maybe you've got, you know, four other cars in the garage, but still, if I'm going to buy a car that's that much, I want to be able to drive it. I don't want to have to think like, oh, well, I'm going to have to shuffle this thing off, like you're saying, for the next four months, six months, eight months, whatever, to have maintenance done. And I just want to go down to the Honda dealership and have things taken care of, you know? And and I, so I like that. It was, like I said, it was the most livable supercar I've ever driven. I loved it. It was beautiful. It was yeah. fun. So that's my number one car over the last year. All right. Excellent. Well, that's another show wrapped up. Thank you very much, both of you. Uh, anything that you're doing this week that you want to mention to, you know, or anything that uh, people should be on the lookout for? I guess my next week is topic is going to be something I can't talk about yet. Well, I drove it, but I can't give you drive impressions or I'd have to kill you because it's all embargoed. So I <laughs> well, you have, posted pictures of it on Instagram. So I you did. Can at least tell us what I had it is. A, yeah, I had drove the um, Wrangler four by E, their plug in hybrid in Texas. I just got back the day before yesterday. So, um, yeah, so I'll be able to talk about it and what that was like. Uh, I think the embargo lifts on the 26th. So, yeah, I can't tell you yet, but I will be able to tell you in about a week. All right. Robbie? Um, I'm actually going on vacation, which means I have to rent a car, which right now is actually very difficult. All the car, all the rental services sold off a bunch of their their uh, their inventory in order to stay afloat. And now, as everyone's getting vaccinated, um, people are going on vacation. 
and now the the supply and demand issue is is become uh, quite an uh, yeah. So um, either I'll tell you how it was easy and it was, wasn't uh, a big deal at all, or I'll tell you about the horror <laughs> of not having a car while stuck on an island in the middle of the Pacific. <laughs> Excellent. At least you'll be stuck in an island, so you know. I know. I'm just like I, I'm, I'm trying. I don't know how I'm bad I can like... feel for you. Oh, I couldn't rent a car while I was on my vacation in an island. I don't know that I can feel sad for you, Roberto. <laughs> and I'll 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 be meeting up with the the team from Yandex, the uh, Russian search engine company, to learn about their their little uh, rover delivery bots, autonomous delivery bots that are running around downtown Ann Arbor now. Ooh, Whoa! Exciting. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.